Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today is going to be taken from the reading we heard in the prophet Isaiah. You may be seated. And we begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before awaiting your mercy in Jesus Christ. And we give you thanks that Christ has come to be our Savior. And now as he visits us again with his word, we pray that you would teach us to trust your promises. No matter what we may see, no matter what we may feel, keep your word ever present in our ears and in our hearts. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for being here on Christmas Eve morning, though if we're looking at the church calendar, it's actually not Christmas Eve quite yet. Today is still Advent 4, okay? So I know you were worried about that, some of you. Don't worry. Still Advent 4 here this morning. But when you come to church again tonight, because I know a lot of you are doubling up, you're like, I want all the Christmas hymns, and so you'll be here tonight. Uh, You will hear the same scripture readings, but we're going to look at different texts. This morning, we're going to look at the Isaiah 7 text because we've been with Isaiah throughout the entire season of Advent. And today in this reading, Isaiah is talking to us about a gift that was promised to a guy by the name of King Ahaz. Now, because it is Advent 4, you still have time to get your Christmas shopping done, okay? Uh, Tomorrow you'll be opening presents, or tonight, I don't know what your tradition is, but there's still time left. But how do you want the gifts that you purchase to be received? How do you want people to receive the gifts that you buy for them? Let's, Let's make up a scenario here. Let's say that there's someone in your life that you love a great deal, and you decided that this Christmas you are going to get them the greatest gift they could ever possibly imagine. So you've done your homework, you've looked at their past, you know everything about them, you you look at their loves and their dislikes, You've, you've studied the things that they're passionate about, and you've decided to invest in that. You worked extra hours so that you could purchase this wonderful gift. You found ways to make extra money and poured out your blood, sweat, and tears so that you would get for them the perfect gift. And then comes Christmas morning. And you sit down under the tree, and everyone's opening their presents, and they come across this gift that you know is going to mean the world to them. And they open the present, and they look at it, and they go, well... I did need something for the office white elephant gift exchange next year, and then they toss it behind them and just move on. How would you feel about that? Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, that would be so sad for me. Oh, that poor, it's just, I would have to explain it. Oh, no, that's not what you would think. You would think to yourselves, what a jerk. Come on. All that time, all that effort, blood, sweat, and tears poured into that gift, and they just flat out rejected that. Now, who would, who would do that? Who would receive a gift in that way. Well, let me introduce you to my friend King Ahaz today, because that is exactly what King Ahaz does with the gift that the Lord wants to give to him. Now, I know you all came here for a nice heartwarming Christmas message this morning, but instead you're going to get a Bible study, all right? So let me give you a little history of who this King Ahaz is and what's going on in our reading from Isaiah today. Ahaz is a king over Jerusalem and Judah, and he's not a very good king. He lives in a time roughly 700 years before Christ is born. He lives in a time where there is great tension in the kingdom of Israel. At this point in Israel's history, the nation is split in two. You have the northern kingdom, which is usually referred to as Israel, or sometimes Ephraim. 
And then, some, and then you have the southern kingdom, which is referred to as Judah. Now the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom are at odds with each other, and the northern kingdom wants to kind of take over the southern kingdom. And so they've enlisted a group called Samaria, another nation, to come in and fight against Judah. And Ahaz knows on his own he's no match for these two nations. So what is he going to do? Does he appeal to God? Does he pray to the Lord who has promised to be for him and for his people? Has, has, does Ahaz turn to the Lord who made promises to his household to bring forth the Messiah? Does he turn to that God who always promises to be with him? No. Ahaz decides, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to appeal to Assyria. Now, if you've been with us at all throughout the season of Advent, you've probably heard about this Assyria. They're about as bad as it gets in the Old Testament. The Assyrians are kind of like, and this is not an exaggeration, they're kind of like um, a larger version of Hamas with more funding, okay? And this is who uh, Ahaz says, let's appeal to them, because he knows if we appeal to them, we'll easily defeat the northern kingdom and the Samaritans. We can do this. So he decides to go with them. Now, never mind that if you appeal to Assyria, they become, you know, the owners of your land. They will enslave everyone. They will torture everyone, and they will be just tyrannical. Ahaz will be fine. He'll come out looking pretty good politically, at least to the Assyrians, and he'll probably uh, save his own skin. The rest of the people would suffer, but what is that to Ahaz? Like I said, just a great king. Okay? So this is the situation, and God obviously is going to have something to say about this. So God sends his prophet Isaiah to speak to Ahaz and to tell Ahaz, listen, this is a bad move. Don't trust in horses. Don't trust in chariots. Don't trust in Assyria. Trust in the name of the Lord your God. And he will protect you. He will fight for you. He's made promises to bring forth his Messiah through this nation. He's not going to let you fall. And so Isaiah goes to Ahaz and he says this, if you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. If you don't trust God, you're going you're gonna to fall flat on your face and you will be defeated. And then he offers Ahaz something wonderful. He offers him a gift. He does what God always does. He takes a promise and he wants to attach it to a sign. And so Isaiah says, listen, king, uh, what God wants you to do is to ask for a sign. See, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Ask God for an incredible sign. He says even this. Ask for a sign of the Lord your God and let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. Ask God to prove it to you. He wants to show you. He wants to give you the gift. So just tell him and it's yours. And Ahaz sits under that Christmas tree, opens the present, looks at it and goes, I'm not even bringing this thing to the white elephant party, crumbles it up and throws it away. But he does so with very pious sounding language. He says, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Oh, so holy that Ahaz. Listen, what you need to know is that God wasn't making Ahaz an offer. Ahaz is not being told, test God. God is making a promise. He's making a commitment to save and help his people. He's delivering to the king and to his people a gift. He's literally telling Ahaz, I have this sign to give to you. Ask and it is yours. And Ahaz is kind of a jerk. Crumbles it up and throws it away. 
rejects the God who is there to save him and his people. Now that's obviously not what God wanted here. This is not how he wants the gift to be received. And what would you do in that situation? Would you take the gift back? Would you lecture them? How would you handle this particular situation? Well, what you have to understand is that the gift that God was promising was not just for Ahaz, but it was for all of his people. And the salvation that God was promising here was not just for Ahaz, and not just for Judah against some sort of uh, international, conver- uh, international battle that's about to take place. God was going bigger than that. He wanted to give a promise that had to do with the salvation of the world. So Isaiah says, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And as we heard in our reading from the Gospel of Matthew this morning, Emmanuel means God is with us. Now, what happens here is that God takes this occasion of Ahaz's unbelief, and he uses this occasion as an opportunity for him to make a promise about the Messiah who will come in about 700 years. And to be sure, God will rescue Israel from, uh, uh, excuse me, God will rescue Judah from Assyria. Oh, goodness, the names are all confusing in my head. God will rescue the southern kingdom from the northern kingdom and from the Samaritans. He is going to do this. But things aren't going to go well in Judah from here on out. After Ahaz, there will be a string of just terrible kings who will introduce more idolatry, who will introduce more immorality, who will appeal to other nations constantly and constantly find themselves in trouble to the point that it will demise all the way down to this point where the nation of Babylon will come in and actually bring them into exile. But even though this happens, Even though the king is not faithful, even though the people themselves will will struggle to be faithful through all of this, God will not back off of his promise. God will not change his mind about sending forth this Emmanuel who will be born of a virgin. So fast forward 700 years or so, and we find a young virgin girl named Mary. And Mary is also approached by the word of God. God doesn't send a prophet to her. Instead, God sends an angel, the angel Gabriel. And this is what the angel says. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. So the angel is showing up and telling Mary, God's about to make good on that promise he made to Ahaz. And the sign about the virgin being with child, that promise is attached to you, Mary. This Messiah is going to be born through you. Now what's Mary going to do here? How is she going to respond? Are we going to have another Ahaz situation on our hands? I mean, it's hard for Ahaz to trust God, but think about Mary. Think about what happens to Mary if she agrees to this. 
she would lose everything. Her reputation, her, her fiancé, Joseph, would have uh, every right to divorce her. After all, she's pregnant outside of the marriage. And in those days, that would not only end the relationship, Joseph would have every right to bring her up on capital charges. She would lose her reputation. She would lose her friends. She would be receiving the favor of God in her womb. But she would be rejected and ostracized from the community. Mary stood to lose everything. So how does she respond? These wonderful words from the mother of our Lord. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me as you have said. The world would reject this gift, crumble it up and throw it away. But Mary believes. She trusts the Word of God. Bernard of Clairvaux, who's a, a, a sort of a medieval theologian, brilliant theologian from the medieval era, he says this about this moment. He says, when you read this passage, there's actually three miracles that take place here. The first miracle is this that a virgin is found to be with child. And that's a pretty remarkable miracle. It fulfills the sign, but that's not a big deal for God. He can do that sort of thing. Second great miracle is perhaps the greatest miracle ever, that she's pregnant with God himself, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and the Word of God is found in the womb of Mary. It's a joyful thing. The third miracle, Bernard says, is that Mary believed. That she trusts this word that comes from the angel. She trusts the word of God. She has faith. And faith is always a miracle. Faith is always the work of God in our ears and in our hearts. It is a work of God that is a miracle for us. St. Paul writes, faith comes through hearing and the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. Mary hears the word of God. She believes the word. It's a miracle of God. So then the question might be here for us, why does Ahaz not believe? Why does Mary believe? Why does Mary have the miracle and Ahaz doesn't? Well, Ahaz, that's an easy answer. His sin, his pride, his vanity. He trusts in the things of the world over the things of God. He trusts what his eyes can see and what his hands can accomplish more than he trusts the promises that come from the mouth of the Lord. But Mary, that's a different situation altogether. Her faith can only be attributed to God, God who gives promises and creates faith in our hearts when the word arrives in our ears. But now then, let's fast forward about 2,000 more years to today and turn this all to you. You see, this morning you are receiving the same promise that was given to Ahaz and was given to Mary. The child born of the virgin has come for you. He is your Jesus, and He is your Savior. And God has sent Him with a promise that He would come to grow up, to die on the cross for you, so that all of your sins would be forgiven, so that you would be given the great eternal gift of everlasting life. God has promised all of this to you. And in fact, He's going to take this promise and attach it today to a sign. As he comes to you in bread and wine and says the Jesus who was born of Mary, who died and rose again for you, is coming to you now by means of this word that I preach, but also by means of bread and wine, so that you will eat his body and drink his blood 
for the forgiveness of your sins. Jesus, just as much as he was in the womb of Mary, is in the bread and the wine today for you. to Take and eat and drink for life and salvation and forgiveness. And of course, believing that you're actually receiving this in a meal, it's hard to believe. It takes a miracle. It works against all of our reason. It works against all of our senses. You start to tell people that this is what's happening in the world, and they're going to mock you. They're going to think you're strange. Heavens, even other Christians will mock you for this. And yet none of that changes what the Word says and what the Word says to you today. It comes to you just as it came to Ahaz and Mary. The Father is delivering Jesus Christ to you. Now, it would seem that at this point, my question for you ought to be this. So who are you going to be? Ahaz or Mary? Which team are you on? Team Ahaz or Team Mary? But that's not really the question at all. There is no question here. For you are not Ahaz, nor are you Mary. You are the one God has chosen to give the gift to this morning. And I suppose you could join Ahaz outside and leave the promise behind, but why in the world would you want to leave behind the son of Mary who has come to save you and forgive you? This is the gift you need. Jesus looked down on you, and he saw what you needed for your life and salvation, and so he spent his blood, sweat, and tears so that you might receive the forgiveness of sins. For you are a sinner and so am I. And Christ has come for sinners like us to be our Savior. So today there is nothing left for you to decide but simply to take it and eat it. Take it and drink it. It's yours. It's for you. And yeah, it's a miracle that this God who was born of a virgin would come to you today in bread and wine. Perhaps an even greater miracle is simply this. He's given it to you. He's promised to you. And you believe it. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks that you bring to your people your promises. And Lord, today we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, we would hear your word and we would believe it in faith. Lord, on this Christmas, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, teach us always to look to you for confidence, hope, and salvation. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.